Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. Hi. We're going to talk about Avengers today. Huh. That's different. So have a seat. Lay back on the couch. Tell me what's been going on. You know, do you think we should... We get literally ones of new listeners. <laughs> At least ones. On a regular basis. Do you think we should ever... We never really say what our mission statement is. We've done that like twice, I think. In, a, in, a, in 89 episodes. Yeah. It makes sense. That's once every... 40 episodes? 44 and a half episodes. That's once every 10 months or so. We tell people what we're doing. Makes sense. You think people probably know what we're doing. At this point, if you're listening to episode 80... What are we on? No, it's going to be 89. Then you you probably know what we're doing. It actually is 89. Do you think this... You said it's going to be 89. Do you think this is some sort of like limbo time between episodes where we're not really into episode 89 yet, but we're still... We're past episode 88? Yeah. This is like 88 and a half. We are the in-betweeners. Ever show up in the Avengers? Does he ever the show up in the Avengers? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. he does. Who cares? A weird character. I never stood up to the point of him. Jim Starlin has a lot to answer for. Who's the one that's on uh, skis? Wait, is that in DC? That's the Black Racer. He's from DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's their version of. Um, that's a good question. Who is he? He's kind of like Death Earth. He is kind of yeah, yeah. But but it, but he's more modeled after the Silver Surfer. I forgot about that. It'd be like <laughs> he's got skis instead of a surfboard. Yeah, it'd be like if the Silver Surfer went on vacation to Canada. <laughs> Uh, hey, before we get started here, I wanted to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping, I guess. People may or may not have noticed that our last two episodes sounded a little bit different. I noticed. Uh, and I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Van Allen Plexico yes. from AvengersAssemble.net, who um, gave us a little bit of pointers, I guess. He asked if we were ever going to upgrade our equipment, but we are too cheap and lazy to do that, so... It's we- not true. I would upgrade the equipment uh, in a second. I am not too cheap. I am too lazy. Because I don't understand how it works. Well, then together, we're too cheap and lazy. My gosh, we're like a cop... We're like a buddy cop movie. <laughs> One's cheap, cheap, the other's lazy. Hey, cheap and lazy, <laughs> get in my office! That would be great. That would be the worst show ever. <laughs> that's going to be our new podcast. We'll do it we'll because that's all the rage in podcasts now is is uh, audible fiction. Oh yeah, cheap and lazy. Like welcome to the. I'll be sitting in the corner just eating ramen all day long, and you'll be having like a stack of reports that you don't feel like doing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be just like my real job. Uh, so yeah, we did. Oh, uh, sorry, we upgraded. Well, not really upgraded. I got some other free software, and we tried to make things sound better. So yeah, basically... That's where we're at. And we're talking a little bit louder, so... Basically, Van <laughs> said to us, for the love of God, if you won't do your jobs well, we will at least run this software. You and guys, it did help. You guys sound like you're in a giant room, not facing each other, and whispering into the corner. <laughs> Stop talking into into your papers. John and I are literally three feet apart right now. <laughs> no, I'm saying I don't think we're even three feet apart. Probably not. So I mean, every once in a while we lean in, you know, rub shoulders. Yeah, you know. It's a cozy podcast here at Avenging Our Mansion. Uh, but I want to, yeah, thanks. And if you have, I mean, if you're listening to this show, I can't believe you haven't been to AvengersAssemble.net, but you should be, and you should be listening to his podcast. And he tells us that uh, this era of the Avengers comics was the one that he had jumped on uh, originally. So at some point, we're, we're going to try and do a Skype thing, or we'll get on his podcast, he'll get on ours. We'll- I suggested to Jason that he reach out and, and, and try to... Uh, blackmail him into being on the show. But then I took the lazy mantle and figured maybe <laughs> I'll do that sometime. One of these days. If you're listening, Van, uh, you can uh, get in touch with us again. We'll figure it out. Yeah, Jason will check the email in about three months. <laughs> Previously on The Avenging Hour, Ms. Marvel got pregnant, gave birth, watched the child grow into a man, fell in love with said man, and then went off to limbo with her own son slash lover. Let's never speak of this again. And now, 
Episode 89. Um, now we're not in limbo anymore. This is episode 89. Be, okay, so be careful what you say. Well, now my question would be, do we... Are we not doing a question? No, we question? can still do a question. Okay. okay. Nobody's going to listen to any of that stuff we said before this. Oh, good point. Are we doing... Are you doing or am I doing? Yeah, let me... I'll do it. I was thinking about this on, uh, on my way to work this morning. Let's say you you moved to New York. Uh, you're looking for a place to stay. You look up ads on like Craigslist. And who do you think would be the worst roommate as an Avenger? Well, the Hulk. Well, the yeah. Worst. Yeah. That's, can I not choose him? Yeah, no. I'm, th- I'm thinking of someone like... Like, let's say he had the apartment already, and you're going to, like, go be his roommate, and you okay. walk into the place, and you're like, oh. I don't if it's not the Hulk, then it's probably Hank Pym, because he's mentally unstable. Yes. He'd be, like, the worst, you know, today he's all happy that, you know, he, that you're his roommate, and the next day he's really upset and depressed and crying mysterious, and the next day he hits you across the face. That was my original thought. Plus, there's probably gadgets, like, strewn all over the place. Like, all these, like, yeah. Goldberg machines to, like, pour milk on your cereal. And- but because it's Hank Pym, they don't work. <laughs> or they just turn evil and attack you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. But I'm going to go with the Black Knight because you never know if he's going to pay the bills or not because he could just disappear for like years at a like time. three years, into, yeah. Into like a different century and just leave a stone statue behind that blocks the door. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, to an extent, if you if you could get his estate to pay your his share of the rent, he'd be the best roommate. Well, that's true. If you could get it like in perpetuity. Yeah, because you're like, whatever, go be a stone statue. But like, where's your roommate here? You open the closet door. There's a- <laughs> You've got all your coats on him. Yeah. Slayers. Thanks, Dane. Slam. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Hercules probably wouldn't be a lot of fun either. Because he's drunk and always wants to punch you? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. For your birthday when he gives you the gift and knocks yeah. you out, out of the wall. Yeah. So, no, but with your previously on, you talked about issue 200, but not 201. Was there an issue 201? I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to recap Jarvis beating up a town bully. <laughs> uh, but we might want to mention the Ultron stuff since it leads right into this issue, or is it part of your write-up? Oh, did we know it was Ultron last time? Well, you told us at the end, of the, did, issue, didn't at I? The, end of the episode. Well, hey, just go back and listen to the last one then. All right, then. Issue 202 from December of 1980. This one is by David Michelinie and George Perez again. It's like six in a row. Well, for David Michelinie, but not for George Perez. This one is called This Evil Undying. And I want to point out that there is no exclamation point after that. There, there, we haven't been mentioning it, but more and more of the issue titles have been exclamation pointless. Really? Yeah, not a, not a ton of them, but you're seeing it. I know we had we had the ellipses not too long ago, but they I have been punctuation free. I don't know what this title is supposed to. Well, I think the and I think the the problem is that Marvel in the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s, they kept raising the price of the comics. They were really cutting costs, and they probably just couldn't afford that extra punctuation. No, I want to know what the title has to do with the actual story. The cover says Ultron Undying. Well, which Ultron. makes sense because Ultron's coming back, and you thought he was dead. Well, I think Ultron is this evil. This is weird. Why wouldn't they call it the same thing that they called it on the cover? It's also possible, and I think they mentioned this in the letters or in the credits of last issue, and we we quickly glossed over it. That this is, and they mentioned it here again that this is the last issue and this issue are based on a short story by Jim Shooter, <laughs> another and, one of Jim Shooter's short stories. Yeah, and this was actually I, I looked this up. So Jim Shooter actually wrote this. Apparently, I looked it up, but didn't write it down. <laughs> oh, have we talked about the cheap and lazy part yet? <laughs> wow, we had great. We had the research team on that. There was a an anthology of this was a short story in an anthology of Marvel superhero stories. Like I, just a text story? Just a prose story. Yeah, they had a, a book of prose stories. There was I thought this must have been thrilling. Well, there was like six or eight stories in this book, and it was like 200 pages long. So these were not long stories, but this was one of them. And I'm wondering if this evil undying maybe was the name of the story in the, in the, the, mm. the prose story? All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying... Let's get to it. 
Can we? It's another lovely evening at Avengers Mansion. The team is standing around doing nothing. There's not a cloud in the night sky. Windows are spontaneously exploding. And Wasp is pretending to nearly die. Yep, everything seems pretty normal. Of course, when inches-thick thermopane glass explodes, it's safe to assume you're under attack. Captain America immediately begins barking orders, but Iron Man tells him to slow his roll as he picks a teensy-tiny wasp from the shrapnel on the floor. Wasp regains her composure and feeds the team her tail of a robot marauding through Hank Pym's lab. She flew as fast as she could to the mansion and, instead of landing in the courtyard and taking a breather, she decided the best course of action was to crash through something. Though at this point, I'm not even sure that would garner the team's attention anymore. After getting spooked and almost murdering Jarvis, and lazily boarding up the broken window with a couple 2x4s, the team pauses for breakfast, and Hawkeye puts his foot on the coffee table. Iron Man asks if the robot at Hank's lab stole canisters of a specific resin, then reveals that he thinks the entire heist is masterminded by... Ultron. Hawkeye reacts by blaming everything rightfully on Pym, but Cap pulls him aside for a scolding as Iron Man tells everyone who Ultron is, which must be really awkward since everyone in the room already knows who Ultron is. Iron Man believes that Ultron wants to build a drone army to enslave humanity. Cap proposes that, in order to save humanity, they'll need to protect Wanda, since her hex powers are the only thing Ultron fears. Wanda suggests getting Jocasta to track Ultron with her ubiquitous sensors, but Jocasta proclaims her network is malfunctioning. Iron Man concludes that this is further proof of Ultron's involvement. Vision volunteers to watch over his wife, and the team splits for bathroom breaks or something. This gives Hawkeye an opportunity to apologize to Wasp for being a dick. <laughs> Vision and Wanda have a he-loves-me-he-loves-me-not moment, Captain America does some training, and Iron Man hides in his room and creates an audio diary where he admits that he's probably being subliminally controlled by Ultron himself. No big deal. He'll just create some sort of tracking device and hide it in a basement vault just in case he turns evil without warning. On the next page, Iron Man gives Jarvis a sealed copy of his confession and immediately goes off to be evil. First zapping Jocasta into submission and then tricking Vision into leaving Wanda alone so he can kidnap her. Before fleeing, Iron Man lasers his sealed confession into ashes and promptly takes Wanda to an old heavy metals plant on an Ohio River island outside Pittsburgh where Ultron awaits. Back at the mansion, Cap comes running when Vision's vocal circuitry elicits the equivalent of a scream. They discover that Wanda is missing and Jocasta is fried. But don't worry, Thor is here. And also don't worry because Jarvis made a copy of that confession since it seems super important and all. The team races down to the basement vault to discover that Iron Man has welded the door shut. No big deal for Thor, though. Inside, the team finds the tracker and speeds off in a Quinjet to rescue Wanda. As the team rushes towards them, Iron Man comes to his senses and attacks Ultron. This does not turn out well. In fact, it turns out so badly that the team loses the tracking signal and decides to just wait until morning to retrieve Wanda's corpse. <laughs> but wait! Wasp somehow smuggled herself away in Wanda's glove? She attacks Ultron herself, giving Iron Man enough time to plug himself into a convenient wall socket and regain some power. With the tracking device reactivated, the other Avengers show up just in time to keep their teammates alive. Unable to tackle Ultron individually, the team eventually cooperates and tricks Ultron into tumbling into the molten vats of adamantium resin. They spill the cauldron and watch as the resin quickly cools, encasing the mad machine in a tomb of his own materials. The end. And we'll never see Ultron again. Right, yes. <laughs> Our roll call. Captain America, Iron Man, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Hawkeye, and Wasp. Jocasta and Thor help out. Jarvis wanders around doing butler stuff. And our villain is Ultron, back from the dead. Again. Where do we go from here? Well, uh, let's start with the fact that the Avengers have thermopane windows. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. Well, that's why I'm like, did they make that up? Thermopane actually is a type of window. 
It's a double-paned window with two panes of glass, or double pane. <laughs> oh, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> uh, it's separated by a, a, a trapped air space, and the idea is that trapped air acts as an insulator, reducing heat loss to the glass. So what we've found here is that even in 1980, the Avengers were very focused on energy consciousness. They were. They wanted to make Avengers Mansion as efficient, energy efficient as possible, probably because Tony Stark could not afford to pay electric bills because he was constantly, or energy bills, because he was constantly paying for damage every time, I don't know, Hawkeye's Goliath sat in a car. Well, I'm thinking that these fancy windows were probably quite expensive. You would think that they'd want to go with, you know, just saran wrap <laughs> for as often as the windows are broken. Right? Yeah, it's true. Though everyone seems to, I didn't realize Avengers Mansion had windows, because every time the villains break through a wall, it never seems to have a window on it. Oh, don't you remember that, um, oh god, what was that group called? That they they threw that car through the window when they were having uh, a meeting? Oh, that's right. That was, was that the Masters of Evil? No. Emissaries of Evil? Emissaries of Evil, yeah. Before we get into the actual story... Okay. I would like to say I generally enjoyed George Perez's artwork. But this is but not I, his best issue. I think Mike Esposito is a horrible inker for him. Yeah, this issue, I, I actually will, I have that in my um, in my funnel grade of the issue, that this is not the best Perez artwork we have seen. In fact, if you did not tell me this was Perez artwork, I would not have thought it was his. Exactly. None of the faces look like Perez faces. Everything seems blobby and... And this is, spoiler alert, the last issue he's got a pencil for, I believe, well, about 10 years. He does 20 years. He was probably offended. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is a, a sad note for him to leave on. Also, David Michelinie's last issue, not the best note for him to leave on either, though. Mm-hmm. He can play with on Jim Shooter. Oh, no, no, he does come, no, never mind, I'll, I'll lie, Michelinie will be back next, yeah, next episode. Back. When the Wasp is talking to the Avengers after she crashes through the window and telling them what happened, she says that she went to investigate a noise at Hank's lab, only to discover a huge robot carrying a pair of metal canisters from Hank's impregnable security vault. And impregnable is in quotes, scare quotes. So you can tell the snark on Jan's voice about her. Oh, Hank's impregnable security vault. It's a shame he's not there. I mean, really, he probably just took all of his cues from Avengers Mansion. Right? My, I want to know why Wasp didn't just knock on the door. <laughs> like a normal person? She says that she's like speeding in there as fast as she can, but somehow she got knocked off balance or something, and she saw herself careening towards the window, so she decided to explode it. Why didn't you just land in a bush next to the window? Yeah, and you really, this is one of those times where Iron Man has to be like, Really? I have to pay for these? <laughs> This president just step on her. Oh, wait, there's some... Oh, no, never mind, I stepped on it. She right. lost control because she was so tired she could hardly stay in the air, so she lost control and headed for the window. Just land in the yard. Or she's like, I didn't want to be squashed like a bug on a windshield. Well, good and roll size. I mean, it right. might have hurt a little bit, but you probably wouldn't have broken... <laughs> tuck and roll, tuck and roll. <laughs> could you imagine? The Avengers are inside the, the mansion, you know, having coffee, and you hear this... And there's a full-size jam <laughs> smacking into the window, twitching. <laughs> she falls down. Oh, that would have been amazing. This is the vision that I like, the scene with him and Wanda. Really? Yes, because he's basically joking about his robotosity instead of complaining about it, where most of the time he's like, I am a robot and it is, I have no emotions, but here... But she's getting so angry at him. I know, that's what makes it fun. Haven't you ever done that with, with your wife? I do that with Brown all the time, where you're... You know, you're 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 poking fun, and it's just making them angry. So you keep poking more fun, and they just get angrier and angrier. I've done it to you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. 
I, we got to back up. Why did Hawkeye have his foot on the table? I mentioned it in my write-up, but they, like, make it... Hawkeye, this is the person who, when Everybody's he was... food is there. This is the person who was, when he, when he was Goliath, sat on cars and everything else. I don't think Hawkeye cares much for personal space. I was thinking that George Perez just did it to make the scene more interesting, to have someone in a different pose, but they're like, who just... Who puts their foot on a coffee table when they're just standing around talking to a group of people? Well, like you say, a coffee table that has food and, and cups and drinks on it. Weird. He's a weirdo, all right. Do we fast forward to the part where Iron Man goes crazy, or do you have something else to talk about? No, I about? want to talk about Iron Man. So, Iron Man went to the trouble of kidnapping Wanda. He's leaving with Wanda, and he remembers that he gave Jarvis that concealed confession. So he goes to the trouble of zapping it and turning it into ashes. I mean, he didn't know. Why would Jarvis copy it? And, you know, honestly, as a question, why would Jarvis copy it? But... He went to the trouble of doing that and and actually welding the vault door shut. Why didn't he just destroy the tracking device? Okay, so here's where we find out that this issue makes no bloody sense. Let's 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 go back. First of all, Ultron hypnotized Tony Stark. Yeah, how does a robot hypnotize someone? When did this happen? That too. I, I imagine they were He at- sent him a letter. <laughs> oh god, I'm hypnotized now. <laughs> totally didn't see that coming. I, I imagine they were at a cocktail party. Because Tony Stark goes through a lot of those. Ultron was wearing a tux. And then he recognized him, and he was like, hey, Tony. And he's like, do I know you? And he's like, I am Mr. Ultron. He looked up his sunglasses, they're like spinning circles. And then, you know, he he hypnotized. But no, seriously, when in the world would this happen? Because Ultron would have to get close enough to Tony Stark to do it. And Tony Stark would have to know that... Didn't Tony Stark think that it was done, like, remotely? Like he was doing it through sound waves or something? I'm not sure, but it doesn't... power set come from? It doesn't make any sense. So then... All right, so we passed that by. Great, he's hypnotized. I now we've hypnotized Tony Stark. He's apparently not so hypnotized that he can't make the tracker, can't record a confession. I mean, he knows this, and is aware that he is probably hypnotized. And so, why I don't didn't understand. he just tell the team? And that's the other problem. Why would you not tell the team? So I get that the team doesn't know Iron Man is Tony Stark, but surely this is important enough. For he doesn't him. have to admit that he's Tony Stark. He can just say, "Hey, I'm Iron Man. I think I might have been hypnotized by all." Yes. Exactly. That's it's not I'm a, a robot. He's a robot. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an insurmountable <laughs> obstacle. So it doesn't make any sense to me why Tony Stark would not tell the just bloody tell the team. You've done everything else but tell the team. And why are you putting this device in the vault? Right. Because it's what it's not like you can use this device for evil if you're not hypnotized. So now we're on to point C. Point A, how do you get hypnotized? Yes. Point B, why didn't you tell anybody? Point, point C and point C, now that you're evil. Why did you just not destroy the tracking device? Yes. If you don't want to get caught, get rid of anything that's going to catch you. And then we br- you bring up the fact that Jarvis made a copy. And the reason Jarvis made the copy is because Jarvis is a moron who apparently t- t- takes something that's incredibly important, puts it on a coffee table, and then goes and takes a nap. <laughs> Where anybody hey, can get it. He's right next to him, man. Anybody could get that. I'm like, first Lightning of all... Lightning quick reflexes. You saw him last issue. <laughs> I was just like... I mean, if, if I'm Jarvis and I decide I need to take a nap, I'm going to take this incredibly important piece of information and I'm going to hide it somewhere. But he wasn't worried about it because he'd already made a copy of it. Well, and that answers my question. Why did he make a copy of it? Because he knew he was going to be lazy and horribly uh, ignore the, the original. I love the fact that he says, I made a copy. I didn't read it. I took it out of the envelope and made a copy of it, but I didn't read it. Well, yeah. How, <laughs> how do you know what you were copying? Well, and that, that I was copied like, the wrong side. It's all just blank. Well, that leads us to another question. We, do the Avengers have a Xerox machine? We've never seen this. Do they, is there a business? It's, in, it's an Iron Man's chest. 
They just feed it in. So that that would have made copying this very awkward. It's unfortunate because, oh, and then the last point that makes no sense, and then I don't have anything else about this issue, is something you mentioned in your write-up, which is that Wasp hides in the Scarlet Witch's glove. Yeah. Now, at what point did she hide in her glove? And how did she hide in her glove? Well, she was nowhere near her. She was off with Hawkeye and Captain America when Hawkeye, or when Captain America was training. I would have Vision and Scarlet Witch were having their little thing, which is weird. I don't know what that one scene is. Vision's got Scarlet Witch's hands up over her head. I don't know what they're getting ready to do. He's like behind her. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, at what point did Wasp get in her glove and why? Why would you go fly into somebody's glove? Well, you didn't I know she was going to be kidnapped. I would have, I would pay, because you and I, have you ever worn gloves? I think Wasp was a voyeur. She wanted to see what Vision and Wanda were doing. It's like, I'll hide in her glove and see him getting it on. She wants to get some some tricks for when <laughs> Hank gets back. I, I'm assuming you've worn gloves at some point in time in your life. I wore them this morning. I have also worn gloves. This would be like shoving a Smurf in your glove with you. My gloves aren't big enough that they could handle something that big. Yeah, if I put a shoe on, I know if there's a rock in it. Yeah, and these are gloves that are not... These they're are like dishwashing gloves. Yeah. Like they are right on your skin. Exactly. You, even if you didn't feel it, you would look down and see a lump and go, oh my god, I am have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I have wasp-shaped cancer. <laughs> Some weird tumor on my finger. I would have paid, I would pay real money for this issue, unlike now where I stole it. Uh, if I had, if there had been pictures of Wanda... And in her glove was this huge wasp-shaped glove. Or, or what if she put the... What if, like, wasp is hiding in there and Wanda picks a glove up and puts it on and, like, smooshes wasp? <laughs> Maybe she... And was she on the palm side or the back side? Because Well, first of all, and also... And Iron Man, she breathe in there? Iron Man should have seen this, and Ultron should have seen this. Though I like the idea that maybe Wanda, you know, when they're when her and the Vision are together, she's like, oh, Vision, goody! And, you know, squishes the wasp. <laughs> This is a bad plan on the Wasp's part. Yeah, she could have died at least three different ways. And also, it doesn't make sense. She does not shrink to microscopic size. She would never have fit in that glove. But like I said, she didn't know Wanda was going to be kidnapped. Why would she be in her glove to begin with? I can't explain this issue because it makes no sense. My last point, my last thing is, you actually have it on that page, why would Wasp's sting even bother Ultron? That is a good point. I mean, we don't know it how much it bothers him. It doesn't have skin and, and nerves. And, and, and she couldn't get through the adamantium. I mean, he does only just, say, ah. But why would he even react to it? No, you're right. It's like her shooting a trash can lid. Like how? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're you're very right. This issue has a lot of a lot of problems. Bad. And uh, do you have anything else? No. No bullpen bulletins again. This issue again. The checklist has been uh, merged with the letters page. Any letters that are interesting? I don't even know what they're doing. They got rid of the bullpen bulletins altogether. Like they have an extra page of advertising in here now. Yeah. Oh, we should mention, so, uh, as we know, David Michelini, Marvel's policy was that the writers are doing the letters pages, and David Michelini's been doing the letters page. Probably the first hint to people in 1980 that David Michelini was not long for this book is the fact that Jim Salakrup is now doing the letters page. Is he the editor at this point? He's the editor at this point. So... Letters. Uh, the only thing I wrote down was the very first letter there. The president of the New York City Council urges readers to keep up with their immunizations, saying that even with their superpowers, the Marvel heroes are powerless against disease. You know, it's nice to have this PSA about immunizations, but it seems horribly out of place. It really does. It has nothing to do with the Avengers. I wonder if they sent that letter out to... All, I wonder if all the Marvel comics from that month printed that letter. I'm kind of curious myself. Because there was is, some weird campaign that they came up with. It's very odd. Like, but we I don't want to take out a full-page ad, because that would be weird. But, hey, we'll be chummy-chummy with you and have it in as a letter. Yeah. You nothing else? No, that's the only Me letter. Me either. Not really interesting. MVP? I, I picked Thor. 
Because I guess they needed someone who could go toe-to-toe with Ultron. I picked Hawkeye because he's the one that swings in like Errol Flynn at the end of the issue and kicks Ultron into the vat of adamantine resin. Useless character? Uh, Scarlet Witch. Merely a pawn. Uh, Iron Man. Dude, explain yourself. Because you make no sense. He wasn't useless. He drove this entire plot. Best quote taken out of context? Your mouth may be big, but it's cute. (laughs) Wow. Good one. I just went with put her over on the couch, Iron Man. <laughs> nice. Uh, Those two actually go together. They really do. <laughs> Avengers level threat. I guess, though it was never actually shown. I mean, Ultron is. This is certainly not his best appearance. No, no. Which leads us into Final Grades. I said maybe a C, probably worse. The plot is just so bad and makes no sense on many levels. I give it a D plus. It's... It is, as we... I mean, we talked about all the problems with the plot. We don't need to rehash it. We talked about the fact that this is not George Perez's best... His his artwork has looked about much, much, much better. Plus, Ultron deserves more than this. He's arguably the Avengers archfoe. You can make a case that here, he here, is their biggest enemy. Here, Kang. Yeah. And to dispose of him in a half an issue plot like this is really wasting him. Where Ultron didn't even really do anything. He waited in a warehouse for Iron Man to show up. This is the kind of thing that works fine, perhaps, as a short story in an anthology. Where you don't have a lot of time and space and it's like, oh, look at this. Or a 15 minute episode of a cartoon. Yeah, but to make it an Avengers issue is disappointing. Speaking of disappointing. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) Have fun with this one. All right, we are at Avengers 203. It is from January of 1981. We're in 1981, Jason. It is by David Michelini and Carmine Infantino, and it is called Night of the Crawlers. And I would point out to you, since you mentioned it with the last one, there is no exclamation point after that. They ran out of room. It got cut that's off. There. That's true. <laughs> the Avengers are heading home, quinjetting their way back to the mansion after turning Ultron into a piece of modern art. Once there, they all go to take a rest before the debriefing, noting two things. One, Joe Casta's back in working order, thanks to an assist from Jarvis. And two... Where are the Beast and Wonder Man? Cue our second splash page of the issue and our title, as we see the Beast and Simon Williams walking through the streets of New York, sadly not drunk this time. They are, however, lost, and when the Beast asks a group of people for directions, they call him a crawler and begin to attack him. The attack is short-lived, as the hooligans soon recognize our heroes, and there's a conversation where they explain that crawlers aren't human, they steal things, and the street gang doesn't like thieves. They then leave to go have a musical number with the Jets. While Simon and the Beast wonder why they couldn't have been off fighting Ultron with the rest of the team, they are accosted by a young girl named Juanita, who says that it was her brother Hugo who was kidnapped by the crawlers. Can they help her find Hugo? Before anything else can happen, Juanita's mother arrives, smacks her around, and tells her to come home. Our heroic duo move to stop the two civilians, but they quickly lose them in what the book is calling fog, and I'm calling artistic nonsense that infantry is using as a shortcut, so he only has to draw half of the panels. Still, Simon and the Beast are willing to help Hugo and Juanita and their family. Said help begins when the two of them head down into the sewers, where they hope to find these crawlers. After some exploring, the Avengers are attacked by... Look, Infantino is barely drawing humans recognizably, so don't ask me to tell you what these creatures look like. They've got two arms and legs, and their bodies are just shapes with a couple of eyes stuck in them. The fight barely gets started when a young boy calls off these crawlers, and then excitedly invites the heroes back to his pad. Yes, this is Hugo Lopez, our missing boy. And once back in his pad, he starts with the flashbacking. Apparently the crawlers came about after some scientists dumped some chemicals they had been using to try to create anaerobic life forms into the sewers. The crawlers are happy in the sewer, only going topside to steal what they need to survive, and Hugo felt a kinship 
relationship with them, so he decided to come live with them. It's a heartwarming moment that's about to get warmer, because the street gang from before have arrived to kill the crawlers. They start fighting the blobby people, and it's getting pretty nasty with the crawlers beginning to go berserk, so the Avengers and the street gang run away, taking Hugo with them. The Avengers return Hugo to his house, where his mother is very excited to have someone new to smack around. Wonder Man and the Beast figure all's not well that ends not well, but we know that it's not ended at all because there are pages left. The Street Toughs have managed to steal some dynamite to take care of the crawlers once and for all, and Juanita runs after the heroes to let them know that Hugo ran away, apparently before the Avengers were even out of the building. She's afraid Hugo will get hurt, and our dynamic duo are off to make sure that doesn't happen. Our Street Toughs have set their explosives outside in the river, planning to blow a hole into the sewers that will wash the crawlers away. In the sewers, our two Avengers have wisely brought Juanita with them, but instead of convincing her brother to come home, he does a good job of convincing her to run away with him and live with the crawlers. But soon the street toughs are back, attacking the crawlers in an attempt to rescue the kids and herd the crawlers to a place where their explosion will do the most damage. The beast tries to stop the fight, but this has become mass chaos, with Molotov cocktails causing raging fires and crawlers burning up and Hugo crying so hard I'm afraid he'll dehydrate, and then crack-a-boom! The explosives the street gang had set go off and suddenly water floods the sewers. <laughs> no, wait. The explosion makes the water from the sewers flow into the river because, sure, that's how science works. Hugo is caught in the rapids along with the crawlers, and after saying, don't cry for me, my Juanita, he's gone. Everyone just stands around dumbfounded while the Beast is wondering how he managed not to drown without Ms. Marvel here to save him. Well, everyone returns to the surface where Juanita's mom is waiting and ready to hit something. The Beast tries to intervene, but Juanita says not to bother. And knowing that children should make their own decisions and are aware of what's best for them, the Beast lets it go. He and Wonder Man plan to take in the street toughs, but they've disappeared. Confused and tired, they start trying to find their way home. They eventually leave the fog and find a nice policeman. But when they explain the night's events to him, he calls headquarters and finds out that no explosion or problems have been reported. Doubly confused, the duo head back to the mansion. Back at the mansion, the Wasp and Hawkeye are scarfing down donuts like a couple of policemen when Jarvis tells them that the Beast and Wonder Man have returned. Our donut-eating heroes go to bore, I mean, regale the Beast and Simon with tales of fighting Ultron, but find the duo sleeping together. The Wasp and Hawkeye joke that those two act like they had all the action last night, and the smile on Simon's sleeping face suggests that just maybe they did. The end. What the hell did we just read? <laughs> Our roll call this issue is Captain America... Iron Man, The Vision, Wasp, Beast, Wonder Man, and Hawkeye. We also see Jocasta and Jarvis, and our villain is David Michelini. <laughs> you know what made this, this infinitely more fun for me? was every time you said crawlers, I thought you were saying crawlers, like the donut. <laughs> it was a much more interesting book. <clears throat> and then it came back, you know, full circle when they were eating donuts. And yeah, stuff. right? Oh, by the way, I just have to say, before we get into the crawlers part, we found out on the second page that the Avengers, after encasing Ultron in Adamantine Resin, <laughs> left him at the warehouse. Yep. This isn't the first time they've done this sort of thing. Nope. I'm sure it won't come back to bite them in the butt. Sure. Let's just leave Ultron there. What could go wrong? They should have at least put him with the time machine that they left unguarded in New York State however many issues ago. I don't know where to start with this thing. I, first of all, I can't believe that this is a David Michelinie script. I find it hard to believe as well. And now that we've got the horrible writing out of the way, the combination here of Carmine Infantino and whoever this guy is that does the inking, somebody green? Dan Green. Is horrendous. And Dan Green is not a bad inker. Dan Green has inked, has, I've seen good inks from him, but... These are horrendous. I, this issue. Look, when I first pulled the book out of the uh, 
the bag and board I had, I was like, I'm looking forward to reading this. And you first, weren't. Well, I always am, because it's Avengers. The first two or three pages actually look pretty good. They do they're not. Little, they're a little stylized. Like, Jarvis has a weird hook nose. But but then when they get into this next splash page, I started to give, think that things were going weird. Jarvis looks like a gay Dickens villain in that panel. <laughs> Isn't he supposed to? And I'm not <laughs> sure what he's doing. It's These are different people between these two panels. Well, they always do that with Jarvis. It's true. But then when we get to the Wonder Man and Beast stuff, I, it becomes way too stylized. And at some point, it looks like they just gave the unfinished pages to the colorist and told them to just do whatever <laughs> they wanted to. There's no ink. There's no penciling. There's just weird blobs of color for no reason. Like, why is that one? Why are they all red? And then a couple panels later, they're all blue. It's yeah. like they're being watched by the Predator. <laughs> oh my gosh, this issue would have been so much better. Switch to thermal. Switch to ultraviolet. Like, I... What is going on? And what 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 is the design on these crawler on these crawlers? The crawlers. Now I'm saying crawlers. The crawlers look like they look like the plaque monsters from a toothpaste commercial. Yeah, the cavity creeps. I don't understand. <laughs> we they're, make holes in teeth. <laughs> they are so cartoony. And the fun, one of the funny thing is that the, the first thing that he tells us that Hugo tells us is that the crawlers found their way into the sewer and they liked it there, but then they started like stealing things that they needed. And one of the things that they stole was food. Uh-huh. But then he tells us like two pages later that the crawlers don't have mouths. Oh, that's a good point. Why How were they, they stealing? Eating? Why were they stealing food? They showed it in their eyeballs. <laughs> And then how are they making those three noises all the time if they don't have mouths? Well, they communicate telepathically with him. Right, so Maybe why are they making s- noises? Maybe they're streaming telepathically? I don't know. They didn't have it like those little... Don't don't they usually put little marks around something when it's telepathic? Usually. And to be fair, we don't actually ever see them. We're like, we... We don't, maybe they don't tell. It's quite possible they don't communicate telepathically, and Hugo is insane. <laughs> well, that is quite possible. That this is all just his mom smacked him one too many times, right? He likes to hit kids. I mean, who doesn't? But <laughs> who exactly are Wonder Man and Beast fighting in this book? They first run into the street gang. And they kind of come to blows until they realize they're the Avengers, and then they want the Avengers' help. So they go down into the sewer and run into the crawlers, and everybody starts fighting the crawlers until Hugo says, don't fight them anymore, and the gang leaves. And then the gang comes back and wants to explode things, and Beast and Wonder Man start fighting with the gang. No, the gangs aren't with Beast and Wonder Man when they go into the sewer the first time. They go down by themselves, and that's when they meet Hugo and the crawlers, and it's after Hugo's done flashbacking that the gang busts in. Right, and they kind of fight the gang members, but they're kind of fighting off the crawlers, too, because the crawlers go insane for no reason. Well, and that's the other thing. So the crawlers, we're led to believe here that the crawlers aren't really evil. But when the gang starts to fight them, they go friggin' crazy. They even attack Hugo. Yeah, they're like, they're killing. So it's like, wait a minute. Maybe the crawlers are a threat. So then the Beast and Wonder Man are actually fleeing with the street gang that they were just fighting. They're all running out together. Yes. I, I couldn't tell at what times they were helping and what times they were fighting. And Well, this plot, you know, for an issue where nothing happens, there's a lot of... This plot goes back and forth and back and forth because I got done with my write-up and I'm like, this is a ridiculously long synopsis for an issue that you can summarize as Beast and Wonder Man are in a weird fever dream. <laughs> right? Because at the end, the cop's like, no, none of that stuff ever happened. Yeah, which I don't understand what that was supposed to be about. Why would the cop say, I mean, well, I mean, the cop's in on it. No, but why would that? I mean, are we supposed to believe that this was all... What are we supposed to believe? Because when Beast and Wonder Man run into the street gang at the beginning, don't they say something about how they went to the cops, but the cops didn't believe them? Yeah. They took it into their own hands, or... 
I don't understand why the cops... Why? why? I don't know. I, I really don't know what we're supposed to take away from this issue. Are we supposed... Because the end of the issue is... It seems like it's trying to suggest maybe this stuff didn't really happen. Or maybe... And, and, and to be fair, all this horrible fog that's going on is only in this area. Once the Beast and Wonder Man find the cop, the fog's gone. Yeah. So are we supposed to believe that they were in some sort of foggy netherworld? Beast is having a run-in with that manipulator guy again. Right? <laughs> Either that or the Beast and Wonder Man... The last time they went out, they were out drinking, and this time they're like, "We need something harder." <laughs> so they've they've gone straight to you know I don't know. <laughs> they're tripping in an alley. Yeah, the explanation for how the crawlers are formed itself is ridiculous. That these scientists were mixing these chemicals to try and create something, and it didn't work, so they dumped them in the sewer, and then them mixing with the sewer water and the gas in the sewer and turned them into creatures. That's not how things are born. No, that's not how things work at all. None of this makes sense. I, I love how you know, Hugo pointed out and takes him down to his pad. Oh, you realize you live in a sewer, right? right? <laughs> He's so proud of this. And you point out, rightfully, that when the dynamite blows up, it should just blow a hole in that wall. Yeah. Why is the water rushing out? Where did that extra water come from? Yeah, no, there's no pressure built up anywhere. Sewers are not full to the top with water. No, the water is just in a stream running next yeah. to you as you walk through the pipe. And I thought that they were planting the bombs low enough so the water would rush into the sewers. But it's no, they were. They planted the bomb on the on the uh, what's that called? Not the pour off. What's that called? I don't know. Sewer. The runoff, like a runoff. Tube. It, it was. Just, it's where the sewer was. <laughs> where it's supposed to not run off into the river, but they blew that cap off of it, so all the water in the sewer would pour into the river. Then, which is great on its own. But yeah, there was not that much water in the sewer. It's not like they were like blowing out the bottom of a swimming pool. And how did Hugo get caught in it? And I, my note was okay. Hugo died because he fell in the river. And didn't want to be saved. He fell like four feet from a tube into the river and he's dead? Well, we don't know that he's dead. He washed out to sea. He and the crawlers. They could come back. Maybe he's not dead too because maybe it never existed. This whole issue is like... I hate to to, to take a line from Jason Manzoukas from the How Did This Get Made podcast. But I feel like this whole thing is a Jacob's Ladder scenario where either the Beast or Wonder Man are dying, and this is what, you know, happens to them right before they die. <laughs> if this is what your life flashing before you means, I don't want this to ever happen. Although, if it's not real, if none of this is actually happening, then I guess it excuses this early 80s uh, hands-off attitude towards domestic violence. Right. Which is nice. Yeah, go ahead and hit your daughter. It's fine. We're okay with it. We're just. She said it's... Your daughter says it's fine, so we're not going to complain. I mean, we're heroes and all, and we like to yeah. save people, but... But not kids. That kid probably deserved it. She was probably lying to you about something. <laughs> <laughs> she told me... She told you she saw Spider-Man. He doesn't even exist. Smacker. Hit her one for me. Yeah. Do it again. I, I recognize that this is impossible to do in a... In a Auto, in, a, in a purely audiological sense audio medium in a listening type but I will post this to the Instagram there's a picture or there's a panel here where what the hell is that it looks like there's nothing in the panel I mean it's all it's uh, these three panels are, yeah. they're all just I don't know I don't get it they're, they're not even it's just shapes and colors like I you said yeah it's like Carmine Infantino forgot he was supposed to finish it and look I mean seriously when Hugo starts crying here, there are so many tears running down his face. <laughs> you don't have that many tear ducts. No. No, no one can cry this much. It's just a bad issue. And at the end of the issue, I'd just like to make it clear. I think it's obvious that the Beast of Wonder Man had sex. Look well, at I the, think look that's at what the two of them think happened. Look at those smiles. They're leaning on each other. I don't have any other notes because this is a horrible issue. Yeah, let's, no, let's please stop now. Again, surprise, surprise, new bullpen bulletins. Letters page? They do give us, in, on the letters page, we get an update on Marvel's softball team. 
which I guess is their version of the bullpen bulletins now. Right, and it's in its own little set-off box with a highlighted color behind it. I don't care. I'm going to um, to highlight the creepiest letter I've ever read. Robin Christopher Stone of Las Vegas is mad at Marvel for... Killing off Phoenix and then making Ms. Marvel leave. He Why says, is he mad, Jason? He says, if they continue to take away the sexiest women in comics, he'll have to go back to reading Playboy. That was my note as well. My response is, um, this concerns me. Yeah. <laughs> and in a single letter, he's demonstrated everything that's wrong with the comic book audience. <laughs> yep, right? Ew. I'm going to say a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to say that I'm not going to say I've never thought, looked at a, at a drawing and thought, that's an attractive person. Sure. Um, the, and even sometimes that's a sexy person. But n- first of all, that doesn't exist yet because those type of artists <laughs> haven't, gone haven't shown up yet. I don't think anybody has ever looked. We've got no Michael... Uh, oh, Michael Turner. We don't have no Michael Turners yet. We have no Jason Scott Campbells. Or, or even Jim Lee even Jim l- Lee. loved to draw the X-Men without their shirts on, most of the men. Um, and you, know, you don't you don't have that yet. We haven't gotten to the Marvel swimsuit specials. Yeah, there there is a time where you can say that, but I don't think anybody was looking at um, Jack Kirby's art and going, "Whoa, Mama!" Yeah. Or even <laughs> check out the helmet hair on <laughs> Invisible Woman. <laughs> I mean, I think that George Perez, Perez's art is good, but I've never found it particularly sexy. Yeah. And second of all, if that's what the guys were lying on for, woof. Yeah, they, it doesn't equate to Playboy. No, that is. It's like hobos drawn on toilet paper. I'm a little concerned. The, the whole letters page is just reactions to issue 200, but that is and the I'm most concerned that reaction. the reactions to issue 200 aren't harsh enough. I was looking. I scanned through. Them, like there has to be one in here where the people are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that to Miss Marvel." No, people love the issue. Nobody did. No, I think it's just the, they're the, just mad that Miss Marvel's gone. They don't care that she got pregnant and then went off with her own. Husband, lover, son. I think, in, <laughs> I think in 1980 you just didn't. That happened all the time, probably. Well, I don't think people looked at it the same way. <laughs> Reaganomics. <sighs> Can we move out of this now? Uh, sure. Who's your MVP? Uh, Iron Man for not having to be in the crawler storyline or the sting at the end of the issue. I uh, I gave it to Hawkeye for feeding donuts to Wasp. Useless character. This entire issue. I actually gave it to Wonder Man because. When they're down in the sewers, Beast occasionally is talking to people and trying to do something. I feel like Wonder Man just follows the Beast throughout this entire issue and says nothing. He's just like, huh. Best quote taken in the context? This isn't exactly what you'd call a happy ending. <laughs> so when I look at the best quote, I usually will see if I find one as I'm reading the issue. And if not, I'll go back and specifically look for a best quote. I could not find one. I read the issue, and I refused to go back and look through it again. You didn't just find to find one. So yeah. yeah, I had to. This one actually took me some work, but yeah, I, I think that I found that in a paragraph. It was. It wasn't like a standalone uh, Avengers level threat. No, no. Uh, final grade F, and I don't even want to talk about it. I gave it a D minus, but. I mean, it really could be an F, yes. All right. Well, so, now, now I'm just depressed. That was, that's a good way to end it. <laughs> uh, on our next episode, Jim Shooter gets a bit more involved in writing the book. Hawkeye takes a break. And the Yellow Claw launches a stupid plan to repopulate the world with his own offspring. On that note, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page and our email address is mail at AvengingHour.com. Thanks again for listening. We are going to go bang our heads off the walls. Yes. Bye-bye.